This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal, medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. Woodbury Reports, with your host, Lon Woodbury, talking with leading professionals about how parents and others can help their struggling teens, preteens, and young adults. Now here's your host, Lon Woodbury. Welcome, Welcome back Woodbury to the Woodbury Report. Report. I'm Lon Woodbury, located in North Idaho. Here's where we talk with experts on all things involved with struggling young people and the schools and the experts and the programs that service them. And today, today we're going to talk about Internet trolls. How far can negative messaging go on the Internet and especially with therapeutic schools? Who's behind this usually on these uh, negative messages that we have to deal with from time to time? And how have schools protected themselves? Today I have an expert, uh, Richard Reeve. He's in Manhattan, but he's uh, uh, upstate New York. It's where he lives. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Glad to have you here. Well, good afternoon, Lon. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Richard is the name the head of the school last year at uh, Allenwood Academy in upstate New York. Uh, that's after serving several years as development director and executive director of the Family Foundation. He's currently a candidate to the C.G. Jung Institute of New York, and he's in the last phase of training to become a psychoanalyst. So, Richard, we're going to talk about Internet trolls. They go with the territory. That's the title. And why don't you start giving an overview of the issue? I think we're all familiar with uh, negative messaging or Internet trolls. It's across the Internet in all areas. But we'll focus specifically on what's happening with our schools and uh, the people that we work with. So go ahead. Well, ab- absolutely, Lon. Um, it's good to recognize that this is a cultural manifestation that uh, is impacting um, all industries, as a matter of fact. Um, we often hear uh, advertisements of uh, companies out there called things like Reputation Defender, um, concerns of businesses and institutions about the way the Internet is used to uh, message uh, uh, oftentimes difficult, harmful, perhaps uh, sometimes appropriate messaging. It depends, of course, what is being used. But I think it's important to recognize, at least as it's related to our industry, which uh, really comprises residential treatment centers, therapeutic boarding schools, and wilderness programs that serve uh, teenagers, that uh, this is really a, it's a quite a, it's definitely a political issue, and whenever the language or it's uh, whenever you're in a sort of an issue that's political 
oftentimes the language or the arguments that are used tend to be uh, lopsided or stretched to make a certain point. And clearly, if you look at the the means of the overall messaging that's against the the industry that's trying to serve uh, struggling teams, you can sense and you can actually trace how much of the activity is is rooted in political positions and groups that are uh, joined in activism. Um, what's interesting is that the, the the work that those groups are doing uh, has value. Uh, that that's really been a position at Allenwood that we've had all along. Uh, the need to protect uh, the rights of youth in therapeutic uh, settings and residential settings, the need to make sure that appropriate therapeutic interventions are being applied, to make sure that there's safety um, for the uh, for the students. All all of those issues are valid issues. So there's a real challenge when you when you look at the journey of the manifestation of uh, political positioning that oftentimes is, uh, it's not hard when you read into it to sense at times issues of exaggeration or uh, hyperbole. Yet nonetheless, on top of that, this is, and then this brings up the topic of our, of our talk today, uh, these actions or these activities often gain uh, energy or support by a, a level of participation of individuals that have no connection to the to the organization that they're criticizing, um, but tend to uh, jump on uh, jump on the bandwagon, as it say. And a lot of the energy that you can watch in these um, in these activisms. And especially the messaging that's coming from people who have no connection to the story that's being told is uh, at times can be surprising and alarming. Well, I know it can be very, very negative uh, at times, and sometimes it's uh, it's valid. Sometimes, because uh, uh, I I don't think anybody wants to cut off constructive criticism, but some of it is fairly negative. I know what I get is uh, periodically they make a run on me on Twitter, and all of a sudden I'm being asked, and it's, it's just nasty stuff, and this is what really catches my eye. They might say, how can you uh, sleep with yourself referring kids to these prisons? Uh, mm-hmm. Stuff that's totally off the wall. And mm-hmm. I, basically my reaction to that, it hasn't been real serious, and I, uh, I ignore it. But you say it's political. Uh, and incidentally, for the listeners uh, here that are listening live, down at the, uh, on the K... Uh, 4HD, there's a general chat function down there, and if you have some questions of uh, either Richard or myself, uh, feel free to put it in, and we'll try to get an answer to it. But, you know, uh, explain a little bit more. You say a lot of it's uh, uh, political, uh, some of these. Right. So. Well, uh, the, politi- the political issue can be, um, you can sort of trace this back to around 2006, 2007, 2008. Um, there was a uh, push in Congress to legislate uh, the industry that we all work in, um, uh, sponsored by Congressman Miller um, out of California, and that that you know that went through many iterations through the years. But part of what what happened through that is that uh, former alumni from a variety of programs were brought forth to provide sort of statements to Congress to sort of to make the position that this was called for, that it was necessary. 
and much of the uh, much of the activity you can see it almost simultaneously springing up that once that platform became available uh, it was right at the time that opportunities in social media started becoming available they almost these things almost happened simultaneously so that you start seeing the same video testimonies uh, that were made all of a sudden being shared in YouTube or becoming the centerpiece of a website and then uh, working uh, through uh, some some organizations that were very organized uh, that were focused on child children's rights um, you know that sort of that spectrum of political activism which has its place in the political uh, arena uh, that sort of got traction, you know, back around 2007, 2008. But as that, you know, if you can, you know, if you, if you take this issue out of any, if you, if you think of a political campaign season in America, regardless of the side, you know, whether you're from the right or from the left, um, in the process of a, of a, of a political campaign, there's an attempt to uh, paint the adversary in a certain manner, and that really has been the the um, tech tech tactics, I would say, um, throughout all of this uh, emergence over the past six, seven, and eight years. And uh, as you know, so we we've had to sort of recognize that we've had to come to terms with the fact. Well, there's a there's a political issue that's being worked out in the culture. It has its place. Um, we we have you know had not you know we've made choices to verbally support the ideas uh, we've we've uh, spoken very clearly that the ideas that are being supported in terms of protecting children's rights and safety that um, in principle we don't disagree with those concerns um, of course the the manner in which a government legislation might uh, come in to regulate. Clearly, as with any business that's dealing with government regulation, there are going to be issues that you are going to want to work on or try to shape um, and not just be silent upon. Um, but so, yeah, so, so you know, you see at, when, when this political action got focused, you know, back at that time, at the same time, you see this really sort of almost strong use of social media to champion a cause. And in that effort to champion the cause, uh, you see programs like ours being, you know, sort of just uh, <laughs> some pretty harsh things are being said. As you know, you mentioned the way you've you've been personally attacked for for your uh, beliefs and positions, and you know, our, our we've we've you know certainly had many uh, pretty extreme things said about us as well. But you know, well, we'll talk more about about that down yeah. the line. But it's really important to realize that that it, it is rooted in a political uh, sort of a political game at this point. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that, and I, I agree with the uh, uh, the children's rights. Uh, some of them are extreme sometimes, and that's the ones that gets uh, gets negative. And uh, the other thing I see is a uh, oftentimes a bias against. Uh, private industry and there's some people that seem to equate private industry like a private school equates with greed and so they just assume everything private is uh, is greedy and so there's that political uh, uh, 
a political perspective too on that right. at the where they're coming from but uh yeah and and I would put that uh, uh if I can interject a little bit I'd put a little bit further back uh, there's two uh, a couple other routes one I remember back in the late 80s and early 90s before we really got into the uh the internet there was uh, some other types of uh, uh of contacts before the uh, the web was really developed and and utilized uh it's called flame wars and that hmm. was just simply somebody would say something and without the nonverbal things person would take a percent uh uh exception to it they'd misunderstand it because the nonverbal communication wasn't there it was just the sure. words and i and a lot of arguments and fights i saw come out of that just simply because it's a different medium that does not have all the nonverbal and then uh, another example and this was back i think uh I think what you're talking about with the uh, legislation and the social media, that was a quantum jump on the whole thing. But I had right. a, uh, and this is an example of some of the damage that could be done, is uh, on my uh, strugglingteens.com website, I had a forum that was designed for parents, and it became a very, for a period of time, it became a very effective uh, parent support group. And I mm-hmm. would see some parent would be up at night, their kid hadn't come home, they didn't, they were afraid they're going to get a call from the sheriff and they would put a post up on the forum at two o'clock in the morning and within 10 minutes usually some other parent would get in and commiserate with them and they had some support or right. they as the parents went through all these things somebody else was there this is what a, this is what we did this is what happened um and and a lot of support going on and what happened there is some people got on there with an agenda a very negative agenda for these types of schools and programs, and they started making wild accusations about right. it. And and a parent would say, "Well, I just enrolled, a, a, you know, a very vulnerable parent that feelings are raw." And they would say, "I just enrolled my kid at the wilderness program or whatever it was." Somebody would get on there. How could you dare do that to your kid? And really right. wail on him. And it finally got to a point to where at one point I kicked a gal off of there. Because I could demonstrate through looking at the IP addresses that five people talking with each other, disking a series of programs unfairly, even though mm. I wasn't too enthused about the program, but it was very unfair. And I showed that they were all from the same computer at the same time. Right. But it was five different personas. I kicked the person off, and, and then she sued somebody later on and uh, became the poster child for victimization of accusations, false accusations on it. I found that very ironic. ironic. Yeah, sure. but, You know, that was yeah. back. And then, and then when the legislation came in, I think it really jumped on the social media is what you were talking about on right. that. So these yeah. people are political. You mentioned one thing there that oftentimes the people had nothing to do with the program that they were severely criticizing. Could you talk a little bit more about that and some of the people that well, are? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, just... it's, um, we, uh, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some significant uh, messaging out there against, you know, the program that I'm the head of school at. And we recognize and, uh, you know, can identify, you know, are, have been at different times in communication with, you know, five former alumni that are committed to their position on their experience at the school. And our take on those students is that this is the outcome of their experience, their feelings, their ideas, their story has validity for them. And we have no, if this is their choice of how to uh, how to express themselves based on their disappointments in their experience and and their uh what how they feel they weren't helped by their experience 
then we're in some respects we feel that the the work they're doing has value for them and we don't have a reason to sort of say oh you know this shouldn't be but what's interesting is that uh, you know there's a, <laughs> there are there are individuals who clearly have nothing have never been to our campus have never been in our program don't seem to have ever been in any of these programs actually but who are very vocal and make some of the most egregious statements um, and wounding statements. I think it's I think it's fair to say that uh, many people uh, have been uh, it's it's been a it's been difficult for many people to have this sort of uh, issue there and have certain things said to them that they experience as untrue you know untruths about their commitment to trying to help people and and what they've done with their lives so it's interesting to to recognize that that you know is you know that that kind of goes with the territory that these causes um, attract a certain kind of personality that really has no um, relationship to the story, but finds it an interesting place to get involved and, um, you know, sort of have their anonymity and to be able to, um, uh, you know, speak some pretty damaging uh, things. Um, so that that's an unfortunate part of that whole political activism from my perspective. Um, I've actually watched over the years how uh, they, uh, the, 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 the people who are most serious about the activism have, have really tried to step in and, and provide some moderation on their sides of the thing because they realize how the, the extreme over the top, uh, accusations are actually hurting their cause because they, uh, they, it's hard for anybody, regardless of knowing the story, to come in and read some, you know, uh, some statements that just that, that don't ring true. And uh, so, nonetheless, that that behavior that continues. Um, it's still part of the part of the journey. Yeah, and some of them, and it varies. I, there are some of them that have. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that some of the ones that have a a sincere concern and a legitimate concern or trying to moderate some of the others. But at one point on the backstory when some controversy was going on, I think this might have gone back to the forum, is uh, somebody is telling me, all these teenagers that are saying horrible things are not who they seem. Uh, and many of them were, uh, they, they were telling me, some of them were middle, you know, middle class professionals, middle aged, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. were playing like that and just uh, they were just messing around. Thus the trolls. And uh, my uh, right. assistant brought up a good uh, definition of a troll. It's, you know, the troll originally in myth was uh, some orger or something that hid under bridges and came out and attacked unwary people. But now a troll, right. the negative messaging, they want to just cause trouble. They want to create arguments, fighting. It's called trolling. And somebody gets in and all of a sudden you're getting, and I got a lot of this on our, on our forum. But uh, uh, that's one of the problems with the Internet. You never know who you're talking to. Predators are on there. Act, uh, police are on there acting like uh, 15-year-old girls trying to track right. predators. Predators are on there trying to be something they're not. And a lot of people, I think it's a game, a lot of people get in, well, I want to be, you know, I might be 19, but I want to play like I'm a, a middle age and see what it feels like. And right. so they go out and that's their persona. And I think some of the people are that way too, and that's the more negative side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think it's important 
that's the whole, uh, you know, the culture you talked about that the Internet uh, and crossed industries. It's not just ours. That's right. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a, it, it, go, it definitely is something that you can see looking at other places. Um, what's interesting is that our industry is, is rather young, right? And it's not a, it doesn't go back centuries. It's, a, it's sort of a new phenomenon. And it has radically transformed itself over the last 30 years or 40 years, however far back you want to see it, where, uh, you know, many of the, of the most, uh, uh, the, many of the concerns that are the basis of these uh, groups and the activism of these groups stem from uh, whether we want to call it treatment modalities or uh, procedures that were in place in programs back in the uh, 80s and there in the night into the 90s and uh, you know the, the, those you know I, I know people who run programs across the country and there's been a maturing of the industry to uh, to change over time and to recognize that some methods from the past haven't aren't valid as we move forward and and you see us you know that that issue of an industry uh, or of a practice a therapeutic practice maturing and uh, and not doing uh, different kinds of processes that were not helpful and developing more focused and uh, evidence-based uh, work uh, is a normal story for any new uh, 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 treatment modality or any new in any of the medical arenas, but also with industry as well. You know, in new businesses, you know, when you're when things are beginning, you know. People are trying to sort things out. What's what's the right thing to do in these situations? How do you deal with these issues? And over time, there's been a real maturation industry-wide about recognizing the needs of youth that are in crisis and helping them through a very vulnerable time in their lives. Yeah, well, I know there's one person, a fairly well-known person, that uh, has been very critical of the industry, and she does uh, two things that I object to. One, I understand she was in a scared straight program back in, that was about the 60s or 70s, and those were pretty brutal, uh, roundly condemned by all the professionals I work with in the uh, uh, residential schools and programs for struggling teens that I work with, but her assumption is that it was a, that was a horrible experience, and we got to root those out. So she assumes that the uh, current ones are as bad as the scared straight ones. And mm-hmm. then another thing uh, is sometimes we'll come up with some horror stories. And I've said several, I've seen several articles or books that where they talk through them. I'm familiar with all the situations, and I fully agree with the book. But then they conclude so all therapeutic boarding schools should be heavily regulated and uh, driven out of existence or right. brought yeah. down or something because they're all right. as horrible as that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's and again, that gets to that political posturing, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. That therefore, there's a there's a cause here, and the only you know the end game is to close the doors of the programs. And many many involved in the activism, they you know they clearly uh, ex- this is explicit communication, not implicit. They clearly state that that's their goal. Now, what's interesting, Lon, is that. Um, our program has benefited a great deal from the experience of having this uh, issue arise for us because it's made us have to listen uh, very carefully to criticism 
that can at times be difficult to hear, um, to try to, uh, you know, uh, show some sensitivity toward people who are, are displeased with our existence. And some of those people are people who actually have gone through the program. So as, a, as an organization, we've had to come to terms with how we're going to deal with the reality of this being in the, in the marketplace of ideas on the Internet. And we realize that, you know, we really can't actively take a political – we can't join in the political dialogue. That's not really our mission. Our mission is to serve the teams. So to get caught up in arguments that are politically motivated – really has no purpose uh, and is really sort of outside our scope of concern. So, and we've had to, we've worked with our staff and worked with, uh, you know, people that are committed to, uh, even with our parents, uh, former parents, current parents, you know, we've worked to say, you know, this is a reality, but it's not our place to go in and disprove or to argue it down or to get into some sort of tit-for-tat um, argument about is this true or not true. Or, because in the end, there's no, um, it doesn't serve anything to get, to get caught into those and or dragged into those kind of dialogues. I mean, we learned that early on. We, uh, we had to learn that lesson. And so we've, we've come to the to the, you know, to the position that it's not our job to go out there and regulate what people are saying about us or about others, but we want to make sure that within the digital marketplace, we are also sending a message that um, portrays who we believe we are and the work that we do, right? So we want to make sure that we're engaged and that there's at least for those who are, you know, coming across this material, well, perhaps there's going to be some dissonance in how they understand or think about us or what, what's that, what's going on? Like there's two very drastically opposed issues and our, and our, and, and our, our opinions. And, and our purpose is to say, you know, we're very forthright with, uh, with referral sources and potential parents who want to place their children in our school that, yeah, this stuff exists. We are not trying to hide it, deny it. Um, pretend like it's not there. We share the websites with people when they contact us. We uh, we've linked to the, the to the information. We're we're not at all in a we've we've come to the place where we've decided to not at all be in the position of trying to you know pretend or to to not address it or just to you know we're, we want to invite people to dialogue with us. And just like you and I are dialoguing about the issue now, to say, yeah, this is a reality, and uh, it's a it's a complicated story. It's not as simple as it might appear um, when you first look at it. Well, I've seen that, and with Alan Wood. Uh that uh, you guys have changed. Uh, I've been very impressed that you've taken some of these criticisms, even if given very harshly, uh, you've dug into it and found the legitimacy beside it, behind it, and then uh, and then work at, at changing. And you've been talking different, you've been presenting things different, uh, and, uh, and that's very, very positive. Uh, there's another factor here that I think we want to talk about is the difference between private and public. Because uh, there's an example that was going on, and these are some of the people that... Uh, were very critical. But uh, there was a school, uh, this is about several years ago, it was a school down in Virginia, uh, North Carolina or someplace, down uh, in the southeast, that uh, 
I'd had a couple kids that I'd referred there. I was familiar with them. It wasn't my favorite school, but uh, I was there. And uh, some parents got very upset, and an attorney who makes a living with these kind of lawsuits got them together and tried to do a class action suit. In my understanding, there were a complaint from five parents. Five parents participated in the class action suit. A lot of parents didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, but uh, the, uh, there's a lot of news, a lot of publicity on it. And the school tried to deal with it, and they did several things. But basically, in another year or two, they struggled along, and they finally closed down the school. So one thing I take away from that particular story is that five complaints brought down the school because of educational consultants, parents there, because uh, there's a lot of informal oversight of the school and, uh, uh, and, and very responsive to negatives. Now, about the same time, there is a case down of a public program working with similar type of kids, uh, more low, low income, uh, the Martin Anderson case in uh, Florida. Now, what had happened was that uh, a kid had done something fairly mild. He'd taken his, stolen his grandmother's car or something, and so they tried to get some sort of uh, thing. They, uh, they sent him to a boot camp run by the sheriff's office, uh, and they're going to try to get some sort of – you're familiar with this story, I'm sure. But they're trying okay. to try to – Tell it again. Yeah, because they're going to try to get him to uh, you know get their attention, some side of consequences for the type of things. And mm-hmm. what happened was that uh, he came in, and uh, they were very much uh, very much a boot camp with uh, physical exercise, running laps, and they tried to run the laps he couldn't keep up. They concluded having a boot camp mentality. They concluded that he was malingering. Uh, well, one thing I forgot on this, up to that point, there had been 182 complaints against the program and nothing had ever happened. Mm. So they came down on the kid and then uh, they, there was a video. At that time, video was pretty common. There's a video of it. And the video showed basically the uh, agents or whatever they call the staff beating the crap out of the kid, trying to get right. him up and punish him for moving. There was a nurse and she checked him periodically and said he's okay and then they'd go at him again. It was pretty brutal once the the opinion came out. And finally they took him to the hospital and he died the next day. Uh, Mm. So that was the story. Now, uh, nothing has happened. That was essentially the the grandmother, I think it was, was complaint 183 on this program and it it had never been responsive to public outcry or public concern because most people didn't know it. And it was covered up. It took two legislators running a big fuss and having a lot of flurry on that to get that video released. And when it was released, there's a nationwide outrage against it. And right. uh, heads, you know, heads rolled. People lost their uh, lost their jobs. Uh, the program was shut down. They reconstituted themselves, and I haven't heard, but uh, I don't know if they're using the same staff or not in a different form, if it's still behavioral modification like that. But uh, uh, they... Uh, uh, a uh, uh, big change, but the point is the private program was shut down with five complaints with a lot of publicity. It took 183 to shut down the public program, and a lot of our critics say there's no regulation, there's no oversight on it. We need to regulate it and uh, regulate it. Well, the sheriff's program had the regulation of the sheriff's department. The state was involved. I think federal dollars were involved. There's all kinds of the standard uh, standard types of oversight, and it wasn't very effective. And so in some ways, the private and the parents uh, can be more effective uh, in getting down a program that they think is harmful. Right. Um, Okay, well, that was a story, and to me, it was about the same period of time. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, we, we've seen similar things in New York um, because, uh, you know, the, the activism against our program triggered a state investigation back in 2010, which um, it was a wonderful experience for us, actually. We had, uh, you know, 20 uh, state employees come in and interview everybody, and, and this is the same core group of uh, activists against our program. And, you know, they came through and looked at everything, and uh, things looked fine to them. They went through the reports. The results are all, we've published all the results of that. And they gave us some also um, appropriate feedback, like any accrediting process or any oversight. You know, people that come in, they're going to have their view of ways to make improvements. And, uh, and we've done those things that they saw as well. But what was interesting is that the, the state authorities that came in three months after uh, being in, in, you know, sort of coming down and investigating us and holding, <laughs> holding our feet to the fire a little bit, you know, their own, one of their own programs uh, uh, blew up in the news just like a story that you're sharing, which was one that they had direct oversight for. So it, it is an interesting issue, and um, it, it is not, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement of your concern that the idea that state oversight solves the issue um, seems to be um, not accurate. Um, but right. it, is well, a, it is a political position that many many of the activists take, that that's what they're calling for, but I, I think it's good practice that solves the issue, not um, just state oversight. Oh, absolutely. And then there's other checks on, 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 a, on abuse. And I, I think one of the things, because uh, oversight's helpful, and oversight need to have it uh, uh, on any kind of a public program, but I, I think they need to, the oversight is not necessary. I think some people look at it into where, well, the, there's oversight, the regulators are looking at it, so everything's fine. I don't have to worry about it. And it's not necessarily so. But it's just interesting dynamics. We did get a, a chat here. Uh, I think it was when I was talking about the Martin Anderson case. Then the comment would, uh, well, they should have had to go through the same stuff they did to that kid. Well, I, <laughs> uh, I can't argue with that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, there's – and that's the fear, that we're going to do things like that to, uh, to kids – and uh, that's the fear of the people that have criticized you, criticized me. Uh, they uh, they have that fear, but they don't ha- they don't have the information like all these uh, things in this uh, sheriff's thing down was covered up. The one down in Florida it was co- it was covered right. up. The public never heard about it until finally the video was released and they saw it for themselves. And then uh, sure. justice says I was done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. Uh, did you pretty much cover the digital marketplace in the context? Yeah, of this, I guess I think I think we I think we have, but I you know I think one of the challenges people have as consumers in the digital marketplace is you know how do you separate fact from fiction, and um, it's not easy to do, right? Like when you know uh, we, you know where's that line of where information is is being stretched or that there things are 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 not accurate. And we, um, you know, we, when we were working with people about uh, these issues and, and, you know, we certainly invite people to come visit us and to see us for themselves, to speak with the students in our program. You get parents, you bring parents in too uh, fairly often, don't you? Yeah, we actually do bring the parents in before any enrollment. And in that process, 
they will have a tour with, uh, you know, just randomly selected students that take them. Uh, some of them, can, you know, there can be a kid that, on that tour that's been with us less than a week or somebody that's been with us for uh, a year. And in that process, it's, uh, you know, you know, ask the questions you want to ask. You know, wander freely around the campus. Look. Uh, come meet us. Uh, look at the emotional health of our students and the way they're responding to their challenges. Get to know their their stories. I mean, one of the most profound aspects of living and working in this in this field, Lon, is that you know each month uh, we have an initial seminar with new parents and families of students who are enrolled because we do enrolling uh, admissions because these crises that impact teens can happen at any time. And, you know, we, you know, we months in and months out hear the stories of horror and chaos that are impacting these families and, uh, begin, you know, and the fact that this, the, you know, the, the, the journey of starting to put these lives back together, not just for the student, but for the entire family who's, um, oftentimes, uh, uh, hasn't had, uh, you know, these patterns can be going on for two to five years where uh, all community bases of, of services have been used. Um, uh, jails, uh, you know, the, the justice system can be involved. Psychiatric hospitalizations can be part of this journey. Um, different types of placements. And yet, nonetheless, that the story that comes in with the student uh, is... Uh, has only continued to get worse through time. And, you know, it's important to recognize that, you know, those those stories um, are, are heading in, a, in only a worse, and only, only toward a worse end if something is not done to try to break up that pattern of destructive behavior. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to work with families and these students to, you know, place them in a safe, a relatively safe setting, and to hopefully provide their lives with a reset. You know, we got another couple of chat comments. Is one of the things is that uh, uh, how did it come to this point? Uh, I maybe address some of these. This is talking about our schools in general, but uh, one of the things, a good program, the staff are working alongside of the kids doing the same work. It's not a and uh, a good school. I've seen this uh, in the in the good schools I've seen where. Staff's right down there. If they're digging a ditch, the staff's right down there with a the shovel right along with the kids instead of telling the kids and then supervising. Sure. Yeah. Our uh, staff. Yeah. 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 That, that's an important thing that a good program will do. Uh, Absolutely. And, I boot, we, we, and boot camps yeah, don't we, do that. We model that in our kitchen. Our, our staff and our uh, work with our students in the kitchen, uh, prep, food preparation, the washing of dishes. It's uh, And that goes for... Uh, n- not just the people assigned to the kitchen, but uh, a variety of staff will cycle in and be a part of that uh, work environment with the students. Mm-hmm. Here's another uh, comment along the same line on the chat. If you don't have anything to hide any time, it should not be an issue. And that's very true. And you've been you've been talking about being very open. And the good schools that I work with are uh, uh, are, are open, open to guests. People can come in and view just as so long as they're not irresponsible. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting. It shouldn't be an issue is, is, is accurate. That, but the question of, uh, you know, if it, it does have an impact, and this is where it has an impact, is that, consu- you know, from a consumer mentality, 
uh, people might look and you don't, we don't know the people we, we never, there's, there's probably a huge group of people that we never get to talk to because their encounter of that material is enough to make them not even want to approach us. Uh-huh. So that's why the issue of, you know, trying to be uh, open about the fact of it, but to invite further uh, communication, you know, that's what we have to do. And it's, uh, you know, we, we're accepting of the fact that, that that might be happening. The same thing could happen in other issues of, uh, you know, somebody may, may never decide to consider a placement just because of geography, for instance. And you never know those who would never want to be in a certain location just because uh, it's in a certain place, right? That, well, that's there's a, also, yeah. It's up to the parents. The parents decide, and there's a multitude of factors that's right. in that. That's right. I had a, I had a, a story. I was uh, trying to get something on that, and I had a gal that wrote in an experience. I think she's from New York, and, and it's in my uh, one of my e-books that I have on Amazon.com. But uh, the story was that she had a uh, daughter that was dating another guy, and they were both sort of spiraling down and getting suicidal and involved in drugs. So this mother took action and enrolled her child in a therapeutic boarding school. But the other parents, the parents of the son, couldn't bring themselves to do that for their child. They were hoping and working with them the best. And uh, the girl went, graduated, going on to college, getting on with her life, doing well. And But the boy, at some, at some point in there, committed suicide. And that was mm-hmm. sort of a, an example of two that were about in the same the same picture, same two kids. Yeah, yep, absolutely. But uh, one parent intervened and the other didn't. I know it's really hard uh, for that. And that's one of the things that some of the uh, trolls point out. How can you put a kid there that's uh, contrary to their will? They have to yeah. work. And it won't work until they've bought into it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's actually the most – I'm – the, the thing that upsets me probably more than anything is the the, the efforts to uh, label parents who would make a consideration of a of a residential placement as that you're a bad parent and uh, getting, how getting rid of the, yeah getting rid of their kid yeah, getting rid of the problem you can you know and it's like wow that's really that's not to be honest with you it's just nasty the there is. There is never a story um, with the parents in the enrollments where the child's in crisis, but the parents are in crisis. These are traumatic stories that have uh, immense level of suffering uh, to them all the way around. And to be on the sidelines of that and to bash uh, families for making a choice um, to intervene and to try to stop a destructive pattern, uh, it just seems uh, uh, it, it's upsetting to me, nonetheless. Yeah. Here's another uh, comment on the on the chat line. Have they lost touch with values, values and family? I'm not sure quite what that's referring to with the parents. And, uh, well, as you were saying earlier, a lot of it's very complicated. Is it a family value to not give the help to a kid and keep them at home when they're at risk? Or is it a family value to get them the help when they're necessary in an extreme situation? Right. Yeah, I think that's a – and, so, you know, there – Every every enrollment, I, I've been doing the initial seminars at the school now for about four and a half years, and there has never been an enrollment. You know, I, I'm with these stories month in and month out, and the thousands of enrollments. And there's never there's never a story that that the parents haven't gone to every single resource at their uh, available. 
<laughs> you know, they, mm-hmm. they've tried this, they've tried that, they've tried that, they've tried this. They've all, all the way down, you know, from the pediatrician to outpatient services to hospitalizations, uh, uh, just an immense amount of energy and effort trying to contain a destructive pattern. And um, that's the level of story that that's the population that we that we work with right and to uh to criticize parents for not doing a good i mean it's it's exceptional attempts on the parents to try to get the children the help that they need um it's just mm-hmm. that um uh, based on whether it's peer culture whether it's a uh, a drug culture in the in the area uh whether there's emotional or behavioral issues um there just hadn't been the ability to, 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 to intervene in a healthy way. Okay. Well, here's another uh, question uh, on, on the chat. Um, do they have programs for people at age 26, those that are past school age and an hour lost or something like that? Well, yes, there's a lot of schools around that uh, the millennials up to age 30 sometimes, 26 to 30. And I think, you, that Alan, would you have one uh, uh, a program for older well, kids. Well, we have you? a we have a transitional program that serves us uh, students up to age twenty, not twenty six. But mm, you know, okay. this actually is one of it's interesting. This is one of the things we've learned from uh, the activism against us, because um, and and it's not just from them, but from former alumni as well as a pretty loud drumbeat of those who. Are, were concerned about the way our program was constellated about 10 to 20 years ago, said that, well, that when they were at the school, it was like being in a bubble, and then they found themselves just sort of plopped back into the world with no capacity to cope with the, the dangers or risks or challenge, challenges. Well, that's, that's, that a legitimate, that's a legitimate concern. Absolutely. And we listened carefully to that, and we recognized the value of that criticism, which absolutely came from the activism sites as well. And from that, we've, uh, you know, the restructuring of Allenwood over the last two years, well, it, it actually began about four and a half years ago when we created um, an alliance with our uh, local community colleges and provided fifth-year transitioning for students to start taking college camp uh, college classes sometimes while living on campus with us, but then now even transitioning to independent living in apartments uh, up uh, in the local in the city closest to us, Binghamton, New York. So that and and that development of trying to find the students to transition into. Uh, a more normalized setting has also interestingly had a, had an effect back into the program so that we find ourselves beginning the transitioning work much sooner in a student's stay. So we now have uh, the uh, phases and platforms built into our program where we're slowly, as the students are moving forward and clearing up and, and showing signs of maturity, we're introducing more and more responsibility and opportunity to them all the way through their stay. So for instance, things like reintroduction of social media and music and different elements that um, we were hearing from the alumni from from generations past saying i couldn 't you know I, I I got out of the program and then all this stuff was there and it was like it was like being in a you know lost in a candy store in a sense it was too much it was overwhelming, so our program hearing that and taking it seriously has just absolutely redesigned the experience of the student um, moving through so that this 
slow integration of responsibility um, again begins uh, way way back. It really began. It's it's really the whole program from from day one is designed that way now. And okay, it's, and it's I gotta, that's a fun. Yeah. I gotta I gotta interrupt. We got just four minutes left, and they are pretty. Oh, tight okay, on the time that was here. fast, huh? <laughs> yeah, that was, it's been a fast hour, but I do have another question, uh, and specifically directed to you in the chat. Uh, Rich, how do you specifically help raise the staff spirits after this kind of negative harassment? You want to address that? Well, you know, while this is a small group of people that are attacking uh, the school and its reason for for being, but fortunately, um, we have many, many, many supporters throughout, throughout the decades who believe in our mission who constantly provide the staff with uh, positive feedback, letters from alumni. Uh, you know, we, it's a beautiful thing to get the letter from alumni who are getting married and having children and who are thanking the school. You know, the week doesn't go by where we're not uh, re- reassured by the mission of the school and the work we're doing from, from that. So that, that really almost takes care of itself. But we, again, with the staff, it's just been a matter of us making sure that they're educated on the political nature of it and that we give them guidelines not to engage because once that happens, um, it, it, it ends up, it ends up getting worse actually. That, that's really the, the, you know, we saw that early on and, and we've had to sort of really hold the line there. Now, that doesn't mean we don't engage with alumni and, and the alumni who have a concern. We invite them to visit and talk with us, um, but it's just not not engaging the dialectic on, on in the internet. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have three minutes. I'd like to give you a chance to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, a, a, a commercial thing on uh, on the uh, on Allenwood. And if you could fold into that, I have one more question on the chat. So, do the students get to keep their own values, or do they uh, made to? believe what society deems right, keep their own hairstyles and the clothing styles and stuff like that. you want to address that while you're talking about sure, Allenwood? Sure. They, you yeah, have about yeah. two minutes, I think. All right, Lon, thanks. So in terms of Allenwood, you know, we're, we are a therapeutic boarding school. Uh, we have a full academic school with uh, teach, you know, teachers. Um, we're accredited by the state of New York and middle states accreditation. So our students come to us, and they are in a high school. It's a, you know, it really is. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a therapeutic environment with some schooling. We're primarily a high school that provides therapeutic supports. So students come to us, and uh, yes, they keep their clothes that they that they're wearing, and can come in uh, with. They uh, they uh, they have their own values clearly. Um, we work with them on on issues in their lives and choices that they've made that have been destructive and try to work with them on that. Um, but uh, the culture they live in is their culture, and we're not trying to take them out of their culture. We're just trying to make them realize how they might be able to make healthy choices within it. Um, the school uh, has, uh, you know, licensed mental health professional social workers that um, have a therapeutic caseload of every student is assigned to a clinician. Um, we have a psychiatrist that comes onto campus and works with students who are on psychotropic meds. And, okay, uh, I've got you know, to interrupt. Them oh, that's They're it. Telling me it's time Anyways, to wrap it up. Great. That's it. This, All right. uh, this has been very fast, but uh, this is Lana Woodbury with the Woodbury Report talking to Richard Reeve, uh, the head of uh, Allenwood, about the Internet trolls, 
They go with the territory. Be sure to come back next week for the next uh, guest we have talking about uh, kids with problems and services for them.